You know, if we go long enough, we might just we might be able to get two out of this. So. <clears throat> Damn, two. It could it could be a two parter. Yeah. Music makes the people come together. Yeah. That was Madonna, and I know it was a pop song, but she kind of had it right. Music does make people come together. Yeah, music's a big part of my life. I can't even sing or play an instrument, though, but I do have a playlist for every situation. I have a playlist for when I'm working out, when I'm cruising. I even have one for heartbreak, but that's a whole nother discussion. I can remember when I was little, riding in the car with my dad, he would listen to Dr. Dre or Tupac, or Sundays was always cleaning days, and my parents would blast like Anita Baker, Prince, Luther Vandross, that kind of stuff uh, shaped my taste even to this day, loving hip-hop and r and I'm always jamming to something, but nothing quite compares to experiencing, listening to your favorite artist live, like at a concert, a festival, or even if it's just friends playing it, there's, there's nothing like it. I'm even hung up trying to think about it. My co-hosts also share the same feeling. That's why today we're going to get into our favorite live concerts. Just the top three, but I hope you all enjoy. Thank you. All right, welcome back. Uh, like I said, today we have the music episode. And uh, first, I'm going to introduce everyone that's joining me. Making his debut this time is the best DJ, not only in the city and the world, but the universe. So uh, it's your boy, Drew. So you just tell everybody who you are, uh, what's your musical affinity, and what kind, what's your musical taste? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate the completely undeserved um, accolades. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, th- my name is Drew Carter. Also known as your boy or your boy Deuce. Um, I guess I guess <laughs> I guess my stage name is DJ Deuce or DJ Deuce Carter, whichever I'm feeling like. Um, I don't know, man. I've kind of had music in my life uh, for years now. I got started back in middle school, and some of my friends hit me up and were like, "Hey, we need a drummer in band," and I was like, "But I don't know how to play drums, though." <laughs> and so. Uh, joined up, learned how to play, played all through high school, um, came to UofL where I met all these goats. And um, one of my buddies asked me to be his hip hop DJ. And again, I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so um, bought a controller, watched a bunch of YouTube videos and tutorials and kind of figured it, figured it out on my way. And um, that's how I am where I am today, I guess. Um, Hailing from the real 502. <laughs> from, <laughs> shout out, Cap City representatives in the building, holding it down for the real 502. But shouts out. And, and that's what we call a segue because also joining us from the capital city. He's back again with his hot takes and the, I don't know whose dogs those are. Somebody's dogs. They, they, want, they want a professor and Cody want to get on this too, but uh, it's Zach. So, Zach, what's your history of music what's and what's up? your takes? Um, I am into, alright, shut up. I am into a little bit of everything music wise. Um, but yeah, I've always loved music. Um, was in band in middle school and in high school and college. Uh, what up, UL Drumline? Um, 
I, uh, yeah, I started playing drum set too in um, in middle school as well, and all and played that throughout um, high school and college. Played it a little bit, and uh, as a music student for a year. And I've always loved live music as well. So that's it. There you go. All right. And last but not least, the most consistent person on the podcast, other than myself, Ben. So tell us about your musical background, Ben-O. What's up? It's the old pretty good podcast journeyman, Ben-O. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, like these guys, you know, I, I was also in band. I, uh, I started out on the clarinet, though. Um, more of a classical uh, concert band instrument, um, you know, like much like Squidward. Um, but uh, I guess as far as music goes, you know, I just grew up listening to uh, what my parents were listening to, which is just like classic rock, Fleetwood Mac. And then as you get older, you know, kind of branched out and developed uh, my musical tastes, started going to some shows, which I'll talk about. But um, yeah, I, I was in drumline with these guys and uh, like both of these guys, I think I uh, have pretty diverse music interests, um, you know, a uh, little bit of everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love going to shows, love seeing live music. I think it's a great uh, part of the human experience. Yeah, so uh, I guess it makes me the loser here with no musical skills other than a few <laughs> uh, a few a few ill-fated uh, rap songs made on garage band in college which uh, have been deleted from the internet but no. you know, if you're if you're nice to me I still have the master I have the masters to all my music release the mixtape <laughs> hey don't wow. underestimate the power of making a good a good playlist and Bryson is a master at that so sure. yeah that, that is my yeah. thing like um I make playlists for everything. So I have a playlist, you know, obviously everyone has one from they work out or when they drive, or I even have one for when you drive with that little special woman in your life, you know, I have one for heartbreak for love and one for the late night fun too, but that's for grown and sexy only. <laughs> but if you want to free till those, midnight, <laughs> red night, red light special, but if you want to find those, follow me on Spotify. And uh, these are $2. <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose we should do, uh, dip right in So um, like I said, today we're going to talk about live music Given that Forecastle's coming up here in Louisville And uh, these guys have been to several concerts Just like I have myself So Drew, since this is your first time on the podcast How about you start us off with the third best concert you've ever been to Give us some background about that Yeah, for sure So I will start by saying that I'm pretty sure I have seen the least amount of concerts in this group, uh, which when I think about it, it's kind of weird because like I was saying, I feel like I've always been pretty musical, but I just have never really taken the plunge to go to too many concerts. Um, but number three on my list um, would probably be uh, Walk a Flock of Flame at Forecastle 2017. Um, Lit. I will say that as a as a precursor to pretty much everything you'll hear from me, like I love trap music, like pretty much anything that you can turn up to that's in my wheelhouse. So, um, I started listening to Walker back in high school, um, being the stereotypical football player turning up in the locker room before the game. Um, there's a lot of Walker being played. So, um, he was a forecastle, uh, DJ who kid was his, uh, was his DJ, and he did his thing for a good 10 or 15 minutes before uh, Walker ever came on on stage. Um, the crowd was insane. Um, for anybody that's been to 
forecastle. He was on the ocean stage, which is the one that's under the bridge. It's where all the the yeah. eating. All the EDM and the hip hop, they put all those acts under there, which is cool. It's a cool dynamic. Um, I actually saw it described as like being underground, but not actually being underground because you're under the interstate. So super cool. Uh, and super it's like the way the sound bounces off the underneath the bridge, too. Yeah. And like you can see to your left and your right the, the actual park, but you're right. Like when you're under it, it does feel like you're in a like club somewhere in a basement or something. Yeah, people get packed under there, and it's like if there's dirt under there, and so like between the weed and the dirt, there's just like a cloud that hangs th- under there. Mm-hmm. Um, super, super hype crowd, um, and his energy was incredible. Like it, he played for I guess that he probably had an hour long set. Um, he went through a bunch of his stuff. He even DJ for a little while and did a bunch of EDM stuff, and it was basically I mean it was lit for an hour, and it was right in my wheelhouse and. Uh, I almost didn't stay for his set that night, but I'm glad that I did because it, to me, it made that whole uh, year of the festival worth it. Yeah, I um, I've seen Waka Flocka Weston at Forecastle. There was a a Drake concert, and he was one of there was it was like Drake, um, J Cole, Two Chains, Meek Mill, Waka Flocka. So he only performed for a little bit, but you know, just seeing someone up there dancing, shaking their dreads, makes you want to grow some yourself. It does, you know? it really does. You know, like, like, what's it looks like? What's the E forty line? Like Jesus Christ had dreads, so shake them. I ain't had none, but I'm planning, planning on growing <laughs> yeah. some. Yeah, just like, yes, yeah, so I've seen them before, so I, I can feel that energy. Where uh, either of you two also at that at that one in two thousand seventeen? I was at Forecastle in seventeen, but I wasn't it. I sadly missed that show i'm not sure what i was seeing but i was gonna say drew i love that about some like rap shows is that they won't even come out like you said they'll let the dj spin for like five ten minutes just to hype the crowd up yeah i mean and i a, love that as a dj like that i mean i will never dj on that level but like <laughs> you know he came out for a good 10 minutes and like um i'm sure that you know he was saying you know, he's not coming out to y'all or hype like they do that on purpose. Like he was coming right. out at the same time regardless. But like, I mean, he was running through tracks and like they were all popular right at that time. And, you know, people were just turning up. And then once he hit the first track that everybody knew was Waka, it was like it was like it was a rap. Like everybody, <laughs> it was a rap. And he, he, you know, Waka ran out on stage instantly, like jumped on top of the speakers. It, it was nuts. It was nuts. Okay, so uh, Drew's number three, 1017 Brick Squad, Walk a Flock of Flame, 2017 Forecastle performance. <laughs> I think the Brick Squad's over because him and Gucci Man don't get along. But <laughs> anyway, so Ben, what's your number three? My number three, well, I, I just wanted to preface, um, you know, a little bit about my concert going bra- background. Um, I, I, I haven't been to surely as many shows as Zach, uh, but I've probably been to about. 40 to 50 shows uh, in my adult life. But, and and that's not counting like a lot of the early concerts I went to uh, were like Christian uh, music festivals. Uh, And I obviously don't qualify that as music today. um, But you know, that that's just kind of where I was coming from. Uh, And I tend to like, uh, as I was putting my list together, I tend to find um, that I liked more intimate shows like with smaller groups of people and not necessarily like the festival crowd, uh, because I definitely feel like crowds play a part in it. And I find as I'm getting older, uh, it can take away from my musical experience a little bit more. You know, you've, you're, you're asked to elbows with people. They're like standing, standing on your shoes and farting in your face. 
and just a lot of that stuff, like people bumping into you, you know, uh, people talking that that can really take away from it. But um, I, I just wanted to preface that. So my my number three show uh, was a band called White Reaper uh, from Louisville. Uh, how I would describe their music style is, is uh, it's kind of like 2017 Van Halen um, for the modern day. Uh, and I actually won these tickets on the radio and I'd never done that before. And that definitely added to like the mystique of the show. Cause that's just like such a kind of old school thing to like call in and win tickets on the radio uh, and you don't have to pay for them. So that was nice. Uh, you know, we were with friends, we were uh, up on the balcony at headliners um, they had a couple good opening bands. Another one from Louisville I wanted to just shout out. Uh, it's called Boa. It's these dudes. They're a few years younger than us, uh, but they play like this funky 70s style classic rock stuff, but it's all original. Uh, but it just sounds like it's from a different time. But anyway, so White Reaper, they're, uh, I'm standing in line to go into the show, and there's like kids in front of me wearing like tank tops and shorts. And it was like Thanksgiving 2017, like that Saturday weekend. So it's like pretty cold in Louisville. I'm like, what are these people thinking? And so we go up to the balcony and there are people just moshing the entire time, like pushing each other down, like uh, almost what I would call fighting. But uh, I was just like looking at them and like my bones were hurting, watching them uh, run into each other. That's how high energy it was. That sounds like a great time. It it was it was great for me because I was up on the balcony, but uh, their their music it's just so good, so fun to like bang your head to or like you know sing along with. Um, that that's my number three show. I I would encourage anybody that uh, has not really listened to them to give them a listen because they're definitely uh, not super well known now, but on the way up for sure. So that is uh, White Reaper. You said White Reaper. Yes, sir. White Reaper. Okay. And you saw them at Headliners is a pretty cool venue. Uh, my Headliners experience, I saw actually JoJo there. Don't laugh. You know, like nice. the teen singer. She grew up, though. That's all I'm going to say. But <laughs> I saw her there about two years ago. And that is a, a setting that you can be on the balcony or you can be right down in the middle of it close to the stage. It's pretty great for concerts and like any kind of event. So that's also here in Louisville. So that was Ben's number three. Now, Zach. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to spoil what we what we were speculating might be your three. We thought they all might be the same band, but you can go ahead. You can go ahead with your you, number okay. three. You're, you're wrong there, and I think you're probably wrong on what my three is. But to uh, go off what Ben was saying, I was at that White Reaper show with Ben. I thought you I, were. I remember we were up in the balcony and looked down, and it just looked like swarms of ants almost. Like the way they were swaying all together and like jumping into each, into each other and everything. That was a sight to see for sure and also you loved the keyboard player so oh man keyboard player he he <laughs> was almost as hype as he was almost as much of a hype man as waka flaka's dj i'm imagining that's how little <laughs> played uh in the show. just like solely hype every show needs a good hype man regardless yeah, of genre for sure um okay so before I go into mine, I will preface it by saying that, um, yeah, I guess I have probably been to the most shows from anybody because, <laughs> yeah, live music is like absolutely my lifeblood. Um, but much like Ben, I do like a more intimate concert experience. Like I would rather go see a band at Mercury Ballroom, I think, or Headliners than I would say The Yum or even Louisville Palace. Like Palace is a nice, fun, intimate interview or uh um venue i mean but it 
it's not like i don't know like i, I would rather be almost like shoulder to shoulder with people in like a really small area like at mercury the palace uh, is weird too i feel like the it depends on what the group is whether or not the, the experience is good because because it, you know their seats i mean it's a theater and yeah every every group is not good in that setting so <laughs> yeah yo Yo, yeah, I saw Kendrick Lamar there, um, like twenty. Yeah, me and you, Ben, we saw him. Yeah. We saw Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy Q, like twenty thirteen. Yep, and that's I, that's that's how long ago it was. Kendrick Lamar was opening for Schoolboy Q. He wasn't. That, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was the other way around. Oh, was it? Was, okay, my bad. it was the other way around, but it Sorry. was like, yeah, Kendrick hadn't put out to Pippa he Butterfly yet. He wasn't Kendrick Lamar yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. But that was a fun show, but I wouldn't say that that's, like, a great venue for a rap show. Like, I would rather see that at Headliners or Mercury Ballroom all day. And any rap show I've been to at Mercury Ballroom has been better than anything, any rap show at the Palace, for sure. Um, But I'll say a few honorable mentions I have to bring up. Uh, I did see Prince at the Palace. He played four shows there in two days. I saw, like, the first of the four, which that was incredible. Um I saw, uh, and then me and Ben saw Big Boy at Halfway to Forecastle. That was quite an experience. That was my first kind of festival experience. Um, Arcade Fire at the Yum was great. Um, also, I don't know if you guys are aware who Big Frida is. Do you know who that is? It's I've heard of her. Yeah, she is a um, a bounce artist from New Orleans. And I remember my first Bonnaroo. Uh, she was on the list to see, and I looked her up before. And I'm like, this. This is an insane show. This should be crazy. And she was playing at 3 a.m. And I convinced a couple of friends to go and check her out. And it was one of the more insane shows I think I've ever been to. Just people like six to eight, a dozen people on the stage, just like bouncing and twerking and grabbing people off the stage to or from the crowd and throwing them onto the stage. That was fun. Um, Anyways, my number three, though, is actually the first big concert I ever went to. And it was Incubus. On their Morning View tour in on May seventh, two thousand two. Nice. Rupp Arena. So they had just put out Morning View. Like I guess that's their third or fourth album. I'm not quite sure, but it's their like the big album that has um, a Warning on it and um, Wish You Were Here. And there's another big hit on there, and I can't remember what it is, but it was like kind of the album that drive. Put- no drop. But yeah, Makers kind of put them on the map, and then Morningview kind of put them through the stratosphere at the time. Uh, but yeah, I'll never forget. It was at Rupp Arena, and I'll never forget just like how wild it was to see a show in a venue like that, and just see like it was obviously my first concert. I went with my friend Steve and my dad, um, and I do remember. What lasts with me too is at the end, the end of the album, Morning View has a song that has like these frogs at the end. It's like this Japanese sort of guitar themed song, and it has these frogs that like fade out by the end. And I remember that's how the end of the show, and they had these like, um, they had, they let the frogs, they had these frogs playing as the lights came up, and like they just let the frogs keep going as like the crowd exited. And I always thought that was cool as hell. Um, but yeah, that was my, that was my first big, big show. And that's my number three favorite show. Sweet. Okay. So how old were you? Um, so it was 2002. I was dang Fourteen. seventh, seventh grade. Okay. So I must've been like 12, I think. 
Okay. I think it'd be yeah, 14, so right? Because that's when we started high school. People are graduating in 06, 2002, 2003, right? Uh, yeah, 02, So, yeah, that must have been. Yeah, like 14 ish. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. About that's... to go into like eighth grade <clears throat> or um, freshman year, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, before we move on to Drew's number two, I, just, I don't want y'all to. Y'all hating on my my Louisville Palace, uh, although I'm not really participating in this list. <laughs> I will say uh, the best concert I ever saw was at the Louisville Palace. I saw Maxwell there in 2014. You know, given that he's a art, beautiful voice R&B singer, I think I thought it was kind of intimate sitting down and just you know taking in the sounds of his voice. But to a point you guys made, I saw Paramore there in 2015 nice. and we were up on the balcony part and it wasn't as it couldn't feel it as much you sort of felt a little bit far away because i mean that's a real like rock concert and, and somewhere that's a theater but didn't want y'all to completely sleep on my louisville palace oh uh, no i mean the palace <laughs> is a great palace. video for yeah. some like i actually saw my morning jacket there for an album uh release show and Weird they played for flex. like it was like three hours long and it we had like pretty pretty good seats and it was like yeah, perfect venue for that. Erica Badu came out too. That is random. Call Tyrone. Yeah. The only <laughs> show I've <laughs> That's funny. The only show I've seen at the Palace is a show that I was actually kind of a part of, and I don't even know if most people will remember the group <laughs> who. Oh, who, oh, were you in that too? I was, yeah, I was there with you. <laughs> okay, so. Danity Kane was the group, this, yeah. the all-girl group from. I was it like MTV? That. Uh, yeah, bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Show, so, they're showstoppers. Show, show yes, stoppers. exactly. So Danny D. Kane was there, and we, being like part of the U of L drumline at the time, there was this hip hop group in Louisville called Code Red, and they had this they had this one song that they wanted drums on, and so it was like probably like eight of us in U of L's drumline that played with Code Red for this one particular song and Danny D. Kane was the headliners and we got to meet all the chicks from Danny D. Kane. Um, so it was cool because that was my, honestly, that was my first like behind the scenes um, music experience, um, which, you know, kind of turned out that I had several of those down the road, but that's the only show that I've actually seen at the palace. So, um, we, you know, weird series of events. There. But it was very cool to like, I, I'll, yeah, I remember like walking, through the back, like the backstage yeah. of that, like underneath kind of area. It was really neat. Yep. All right. So what's your number two, Drew? So number two um, happens to be my favorite hip hop artist of all time. Uh, also known as the greatest rapper alive. Um, Mr. Carter, Lil Wayne, um, the I am music Two tour. I saw them or him at Tinley Park, Illinois, at the first Midwest Bank Amphitheater. I'm sure it was something different then. Um, but that was August 13th of 2011. Um, so, like I was saying, Wayne has been my favorite since I could remember. But um, I'd actually seen him once before this at uh, Kentucky State's homecoming one year. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that was an event. <laughs> and so it was in the Civic Center in Frankfurt, which is no more. Um, Three-fourths three of the people on this call graduated in that building. <laughs> and, and it's no, uh, no yeah. longer there. I gave, a, I gave a speech there. I'll never forget. <laughs> so um, that's the first time I saw him. And it was one of those things like 
I don't know if they've gotten their act together more now, but K-State always used to book these headliners, and most of the time people were like, no way that dude is showing up. And so Wayne was one of those, and he actually showed up. So that was the first time I saw him was there, um, which is crazy because that building's not that big, and it wasn't half full for him. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he was like, why am I here? But anyway, uh, this particular concert, um, like I said, was in, in an amphitheater, and it was my first amphitheater experience. And honestly, it was really my first, what I would say, big concert experience, like legit concert. Um, I drove up there with uh, my roommate at the time, Rodney Younger, um, and three chicks. Yeah, greatness. Shout out greatness. And uh, three chicks. And I actually wasn't going to go to this concert. um, (laughs) But one of the the ladies insisted that I go so much that she wanted to pay for my ticket to go. So goals. it was kind of, yeah. So it was kind of, I wasn't going to turn it down at that point. Um, the fact that I had no interest in her whatsoever is irrelevant. But <laughs> um, so we drive, we leave Louisville and we drive to Chicago. Um, the plan was to drive to Chicago, watch the concert, and drive back, which in hindsight was an awful idea. But uh, we get there. Um, so the openers for this particular leg of this tour. Um, were Far East Movement, um, Lloyd, Carrie Hilson, and Rick Ross. So Rick Ross and Lil Wayne, that, I mean, that, that sold me. I mean, they're two of my favorites. Um, so we get there. Far East Movement, they were all right. I, think the, I don't even remember what their one popular song at the time was, but they had Like one. a G6, like a that, G6. Yes, that's it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they did that one, and then Lloyd did a couple, and then Carrie Hilson did a couple, and then... Um, there was a little bit longer break for Rick Ross to come out. And so, like I was saying, it was an amphitheater, and we got there early enough that we were on the rail in the front of the lawn in the amphitheater. So pretty good. We had to stand the whole time, but pretty good viewing. So, you know, it had been a little bit longer. All the lights in the pavilion part of the amphitheater go down, and then um, – the Maybach music group symbol comes up on the background. And so everybody starts hooping and hollering and screaming or whatever. And so then they started playing some intro music. And before you ever saw Ross, he did the grunt that he does like, yeah, like three times. And I was like fangirling out because it sounded exactly (laughs) like it does on all his albums. Like it sounds the same live. So his set was dope. And then, um, you know, he played for 40 minutes or something. And then Wayne comes out. And I, I can't remember because I've seen him twice. I saw him once there and then once in Cincinnati. Um, and I think it was this show. But the beginning of his show, he had – well, it was for the whole show. But at the beginning, he had a half pipe on stage, right? And so – they do this entrance, and then the Young Money symbol shows up on top of the half pipe. He comes up out of the top of the Young Money symbol, and then these two dudes start skating back and forth across the stage. <laughs> um, and so um, he did an awesome set. He did all his old classics. He bought um, he bought Ross back out for a couple songs that they had collabed on at that time, and um, it, it it was lit. I had a I had a bunch of videos from that night for a long time, but I've lost them. Um, but that was my first like legit concert experience, uh, first um, amphitheater experience. So um, that's why that one comes in at number two for me. Uh, funny story. I actually went to that same con. Well, the same tour. I, I went in Riverbend in Cincinnati. So um, I distinctly remember being really excited to see Carrie Hilson. 
Uh, I was also I was excited to see Lloyd too a couple years ago or a couple years prior to that concert. Um, Lloyd, Young Jock, Sierra, Ti, and T Pain performing at the Indiana State Fair, and because of the girl who was driving, she got lost because she couldn't read directions. I miss Lloyd, which is a running theme in my life. So I also miss Lloyd this time because I was waiting on my friend uh, DJ Wadi getting ready. Oh no! Um, so. Um, and you'll probably she'll probably be on the podcast later. So I went to that concert in River Bend with DJ Wadi, my friend Amanda, my friend Karen, which is the story of my Man, life. Share going, some going with three attractive females and being a friend. Story of my life, but that's another podcast. But anyway. and that's another that's another playlist. <laughs> yeah, that is another a. That's the Forever Alone playlist. Look it up on my Spotify. <laughs> but yeah, I remember from when he performed up there, he did do every song. Uh, he did. He had like a scaffold so he could walk out like over the crowd. And it was yeah. it was exciting. Other than all the teenagers out in the lawn where I was at smoking weed, it was incredible. So. You know what surprised <laughs> me, and maybe it shouldn't have, but um, I was surprised at the amount of young younger white kids that were there and then i thought about it after the fact and i mean he that was when he was in his big um skating you know whatever you want to call it so i guess that made sense at that point but yeah the the weed was prevalent there too in chicago yeah talk about the rolling wild festival but yeah (laughs) anyway so ben what's your number two oh okay uh yeah my number two i this concert actually zach was also at so zach was at my number three uh and at my number two which was uh i saw tame impala in nashville uh at the ascend amphitheater which is uh if you don't know just an awesome outdoor uh amphitheater basically uh, where there are seats down and then a general admission lawn uh grass in the back um, we, uh, I went to the show with a, a lot of anxiety and I think I, I was processing it later. I think it was just cause I was so excited. Like this artist, Damon Paula, he, it's Kevin Parker. He's from New Zealand. Um, he was just an absolute bucket list, uh, artist for me. And, um, you know, I, I saw it with, uh, Meg, my wife, and then Zach, another good friend. And that's a, a point I was going to touch on. I feel like the crowd that you go with or the people you go with um, definitely play a part into it um, as far as your enjoyment, like sharing that experience with people that you genuinely enjoy being around. And like I said, I don't, I don't usually like crowds, but this one, it, it felt, you know, like I was able to be a little more, have a more personal experience uh, with the show that was going on. Like the crowd didn't take me out of it, even though there were uh, high schoolers running around smoking weed, but that's, pretty much every concert nowadays. Um, another thing I was going to say about this one, you know, typically at a show, they'll, um, you'll have uh, the artist go, and this one's from our new album, or like, and this is a new song we've been tinkering on, and it's just absolute crap. Uh, no new not, stuff. No <laughs> Never new stuff. New stuff. Uh, there was not one throwaway song in this whole set. There was not like one moment where I was like, huh, I wonder what the bathroom line's looking like. Uh, I was just incredibly engaged. The, the lights and the sound, it's like he puts on a really psychedelic uh, show. He'll have like a camera on him doing like distorted image stuff. Uh, and it just really pairs well with his whole vibe. And he 
you know, like your boy was saying with um, Rick Ross, like he sounded just as good live uh, as he did on an album, but not in a way that like cheapened it. Like it, it just act, it, it still sounded like he was doing a live performance. It just sounded so good. Um, you know, his band was great. And my, my favorite album of all time is Currents uh, from 2015, his album. And he played every song on there. Uh, and it was just uh, a really uh, great uh, moment for me. And then Zach drove back and I could sleep the entire time. So uh, the real MVP. Zach. Yeah. a real one, <laughs> a real one. Uh, yeah, a real one. So that is a two for two of bands and performers I've never heard of from Ben. But that's oh. more on, that's more on my closed minded. Did you expect person. anything right. different, Bryson? <laughs> You, y'all, you know, I, I wanted to give him a chance to prove me wrong. You know, so far, gonna, Zach, Zach's proven me wrong so far. You've definitely heard of my number one. Uh, I was going to, my number three was going to be Gary Newman, but I just didn't want to explain who that was to all three of you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Zach, you're up. Number two. All right. Uh, my number two. It might surprise some people, but he's a very divisive figure. And music, especially in twenty the twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen that he had. I'm but getting that, effects ready I'm a, for this. I know who this part. is. <laughs> you do okay. So it was all the way back in uh, twenty fourteen. It was uh, the third Bonnaroo that I had ever been to. Um, flex, flex, third, third in a row, and um, he was one of the headliners, and it was none other, none other than um, Chicago's very own Mr. Yeezus. Kanye West. Whoa. See, I mean that that's like the Avengers. Like 2019 Thanos, he was killed really quickly, but 2014 Thanos, he was a problem. And yeah. I think we can all agree 2014 Kanye, I still liked him. Now Yeah, I, he was yeah, he was just a, a year off of Yeezus, so he was still touring a lot of those songs. Um he was definitely on one that night. So like a little bit of the history was he headlined. He was supposed to headline back in 2008 at Bonnaroo, and he was on the like, I think it was like the Glow in the Dark tour, which had Rihanna on it as well and Lupe Fiasco, and maybe somebody else. But um, it was on that tour that he was headlining Bonnaroo, or he was one of the headliners. And um, there's a lot of mix-up about who did what. And how that show went wrong, but apparently, you know, he was supposed to come on at a decent hour, and he didn't come on until maybe four or five in the morning. What? Um, yeah, and it's in typical Kanye fashion, uh, his apparently his explanation was his show was so, um, like the lighting and the experience was so like embedded in with his show that it needed to be dark outside and. To him, it wasn't dark until super late, but he also, I remember at the time, he also blamed Pearl Jam, because I think they were playing right before him, and they and in his mind, they played way too long. And so it was a combination of, they played too long, it took way too long for Kanye to get his set up and running, and then he wanted it to be completely dark, and, and by the and, time he came, go ahead. And, and drugs, that was, that's the and other. The I'm sure, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the alcohol, whatever else is running through him, and they... Uh, so he didn't come on till like four in the morning and people, I wasn't at this Bonnaroo, but I remember hearing about it cause this was like legendary cause I was a big Kanye fan. Um, when all that happened, that was like, Oh eight, I think. So yeah, so that was Oh eight. So that would have been like maybe right around eight Oh eights and heartbreak or graduation time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like one of the biggest stars on the planet and 
it turned into like F Kanye on like people just spray painted it on everything like F Kanye. Um, he's garbage. He's the worst. And people just like booed and screamed at him when he finally did come out. Um, so anyways, fast forward to 2014, he gets asked again and it's kind of supposed to be his big triumphant return to Bonnaroo. He's, he's coming back to Manchester, coming back to the farm to prove, prove all the haters wrong. And I was right there with him. I was so hyped for this show. And, um, and he didn't disappoint. He crushed it. Um, played honestly so many of my favorites and a lot of the a lot of the hits from Yeezus as well. I remember when he, when Black Skinhead came on, it was just like everybody was just wilding wilding out up there. And we were depth from where we were standing, we were in the you know the midst of you know probably forty thousand people in a field in the middle of June. Um, they everybody. religious experience and even though he would several times throughout the show cut the music and have to go on a five-minute rant i was all i was all there i was all for it i remember he went on like an auto-tune filled rant about how he'll never get asked to play the super bowl and he was screaming at the press all in the all in the front row there uh just losing it on all of them um but and apparently, so I remember that show was fantastic. I loved it. Drink the Kool-Aid. And then I came back home, and the reports were Kanye bombs at Bonnaroo. Oh, wow. And I'm like, where's where's that coming from? And then, and then he walks off the stage or whatever, like ended his set early. And it's like, he played 21 songs. What are you talking about? Like, from where I was, that was an incredible show. One of the best headlining shows of Bonnaroo I've ever seen. And so apparently in the back, people were just like trashing him. Like just booing, like from the back, from the very back in the end, everybody's just booing, losing their shit. Sorry, excuse my language, losing their shiz. And um, he, uh, so yeah, so all the reports came out that he bombed and people booed him off the stage and all this junk. And it's like that's so it kind of it was it was interesting seeing how it his like grief with the press and with the media kind of came to fruition. Like they ended up sort of selling a false bill of what actually happened um at least from where i was um fake news and yeah right fake news and the other aspect of that is so i had kanye who's like one of my top 10 all-time favorites and his set ended right as one of my other favorite bands mastodon is a completely different from kanye like a metal band from atlanta georgia four dudes just wrecked it since like early 2000s but they uh, they their set started it butted up right at the end of Kanye's. So I left from as soon as Kanye left. I had, I think maybe I had like a weird because this Bonner had a weird outfit on. I definitely had like the my championship toy belt that Bryson knows all about. My WCW world big gold champ belt. Zach. Yeah, world champ Zach. I had that on my on my shoulder and I sprinted as soon as Kanye ended. Walked off the stage. I sprinted halfway across the. Uh, farm the Cineru area where all the stuff is going on sprinted halfway across it to go to the other um stage to find mastodon playing at midnight and so it was like so that like that added to the experience where it was like one of my favorite artists played an incredible headlining set at bonnaroo ran all the way across and saw um my favorite metal band mastodon and that was the first time i'd ever seen them so it was it added to the experience of um of what bonnaroo really is to me and that like it's very indicative of like how much I appreciate the experience of Bonnaroo and how influential it's been on me and concert going experience. 
So can we call you like Bonnaroo Zach now? <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. want. Yeah. How many I, times have you been, Zach? I went five years in a row. Wow. From, from 2012 to 2016. Why'd you stop? I stopped. Okay, a couple reasons. I stopped because it got pretty expensive. It was. It's easily a six hundred dollar trip. Yeah, not everyone like, has that Rob Rixman money, you know. Right. <laughs> I wish. I wish we had. Yeah, I wish we had that Jack Daniels money. Uh, they. Uh, so yeah, the tickets are about like three hundred fifty bucks, but if you add in like your gas and you're probably gonna want to stay in a hotel at least one night like before the beforehand we would usually do that we'd stay in nashville maybe the night before just so it's a quick drive to manchester it's like 45 minutes um and then you get all your food so it it wraps up to being about five six hundred dollars um you got to take off work like four or five days i would always come back sick as hell like the, the bono flu that's a real thing Ugh. like you come back and your immune system just sort of shot because you're not getting any sleep and uh you're around a bunch of hippies doing drugs and yeah showering and no one's showering no one's taking a real shower which is a problem as i get older it's like i just don't know that i can handle i mean like forecastle one day of forecastle last year just like knocked me on my ass so yeah. i don't i'm I'm, I'm definitely a city music festival kind of right. guy like we can go downtown for six hours and then i'm going back to my apartment and taking a shower and sleeping yeah. in my own bed and that's the perfect thing about forecast you go or you can go to a hotel or something and it right a shower um with bonner it's like part of the experience and that's kind of why i love it but that's also kind of why i'm like reluctant to go back but I'll, I'll i'll be back at the farm at some point but um yeah i i have to like remind myself to brave the 95 100 degree temperatures in the middle of tennessee um and then the la also the last year we went they parked us about 30 minutes away from the center area so it was a it was a 30 minute walk just to get inside to see concerts wow i always wondered how far away like where it was and just recently we actually went to atlanta and we came back that way um and I saw Manchester, Tennessee, or the sign that said Manchester. I was like, that's where Bonnaroo is. And I was like, this is out in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. It's, it's, essentially, like, it's essentially Bonnarooville. Manchester, yeah, I mean, that's like really the only thing. It's just like this massive hundreds of acres of a farmland that they do this festival on. Um, yeah. But yeah, you don't get any sleep either. That's the other thing. Like, you don't get any real sleep. And one of the years, I think 2015, they put up this uh, uh, new stage called Calliope, and it was it's like an EDM stage, and it literally played until sunup. So sunrise, and I remember laying in my tent, feeling the ground just vibrating all around me because we <laughs> we were camped. Surprisingly, they camped us like right on the other side of the tree line where that festival or that stage was. So I remember hearing um, the uh, opening theme, whatever it is, from The Lion King. Okay, dude played that right as the sun was coming up. That's tight. I'm like you have got to be kidding me! Like, <laughs> of course it's six a.m. and you're, and mm -hmm. that's how you're gonna end your set. So, but yeah, that's sort of my that's my number two. But it sort of helps encompass my Bonnaroo experience as well. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Okay, so Drew, uh, your number one's up. But before you reveal that to everyone, were there any honorable mentions that you had a hard time cutting out of your top three? I know Zach mentioned some of his earlier. Um, yeah. So. 
I've got a couple that I actually wrote down. I could probably think of some more if I, if I, I thought about it. Um, I saw T-Pain at Forecastle. I think that was last year. Um, that was a really good uh, really good set. Same stage as I was talking about before, the ocean stage under the bridge. And um, as I was watching that set, I kind of forgot. I was like, T-Pain has bangers. Like, <laughs> oh, across, since, since across hostile a, days. Yeah, across a decade and a half. Like, he's got mm-hmm. hits. And he just over and over, one after the next, um, was good. And then a little different um, direction for another one. This is a cover band that tours around um, and does, like, 80s rock covers. Um, They're called the Velcro Pygmies. And they play in – I think their front man, or maybe even two of them, are originally from Louisville. Um, So – the first time I ever saw them was at Phoenix Hill, actually, and R.I.P. at Phoenix Hill Tavern. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a really elaborate show. I went with uh, good friend Matt Hargett um, and his uh, girlfriend at the time, Beverly. Um, they invited us out, like, "Hey, this band's great. They're fun. Let's go see them." We didn't have anything going on, so we went, and. You know, they've played for an hour, hour and a half. The girls had gone up, like, right on the stage, and Hargit and I just kind of hung back, um, just kind of enjoying the show from from the back a little bit. And so, hour and a half in, they come back, and um, they're like, do you know how long this show is? And I was like, I mean, no, I was, we, cause Hargan and I were kind of like, all right, when's the next, the, the next one's going to be the last one. And so every, every song they played, they do this big elaborate, you know, drum break, you know, that's going crazy at the end. We're like, oh, that has to be the end of the concert. And then they start into another track. And at this point I'm like, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> and, um, so Beverly was like, they, yeah, they usually play for like three and a half or four hours. And I'm like, I'm out. I was like, no, I, I, I got to go. And so awesome show. They do it. They, they do a, a great time or great show every time they play. Now they play at Diamonds a lot. And then they also play at the Chow Wagon every single year, um, Derby time. So um, those I saw Zapp and Roger at Kentucky State Homecoming. They were actually Drew, really fun. Drew, they, they don't know about that. They ain't ready. Zach and Ben yeah, are ready for that. They might that's, not know about that's that. Not, yeah, that's never. That's not their out. demographic. Saw <laughs> <laughs> um, them, and then I'm trying to think of anybody else that I've seen just off the top of my head. Um, nobody that really has put on a memorable performance, I guess. So, um, with that said, I guess I'll get into my number one top concert ever ben 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 knows (laughs) uh so to kind of jump back on um what zach was talking about kanye was supposed to be my first concert at the yum center ever and um ben and i had actually talked about going to that concert and I set a I set an alarm on my phone. We were actually tailgating for a U of L football game when his tickets were going on sale for that show. So yeah. we're at it was a noon game. We're you know drinking Jack Daniels at eight thirty in the morning, um, and ten o'clock hits. I hop on Ticketmaster, get the two tickets right. So like pump, going to see Kanye. He's on my list. Going to be in the Yum Center, my favorite place. Never been to a concert. Pretty good seats, too, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were were nice seats. Um, And so, 
not even it wasn't a week. I know it wasn't a week. It was maybe like four days later. This is when he canceled the rest of his tour because he decided that um, he had mental health issues. Um, so <laughs> canceled his tour. Um, so I was pretty upset about that. You know, I guess thinking back on it, I would have rather that happened than the alternative where he, you know, people pay for the month, pay for the show, show up at the show. He comes out and screens for 10 minutes and then just leaves and doesn't come back. So, <laughs> um, so in that regard, I'm, I'm glad it happened the way it did anyway. So this was my first concert at the Yum Center. This was the first time seeing this group. Um, you know, people have bu- bucket list. I don't, they were the only music item on my bucket list. I always said that if they ever came within six hours of Louisville, I was going to see them just because um, they're older and I didn't know how much they would tour. So uh, my number one concert um, was just almost three months ago, exactly today, uh, was Metallica, the worldwide tour at the KFC Yum Center here in Louisville on March 9th of 2019. So um, like I said, I'd always wanted to see them. They were a group that when I was still playing drum set back in my younger years that, you know, I'd throw on the headphones and I would just play my drum set with Metallica on, you know, I'm sure that my mom and my neighbors loved it. But um, do you remember what the first like Metallica song you learned on drums was? Oh, Inner Sandman. I was going to say it has that, to be. Inner yeah. Sandman, dude. yeah. Um, <laughs> I've probably listened to that song 3000 times in my lifetime. <laughs> that's probably being conservative, but um, so that's how I kind of, and I even remember my first real memory of Metallica when I was in high school um, I don't, I don't remember if we came to Louisville. We went to some we went to some music store because I needed some drumsticks for band, and I saw these black metal drumsticks, and um, I grabbed them like these are he- I liked them because they were heavier, or whatever, and so we got them. And so on the on the the handle it said Metallica, and so at this point I didn't know who they were, and I was like, oh, they, the sticks are called Metallica because the sticks are metal. That's what they are. And my mom looked at me. She's like, no, that's that's a music group. That's why that, you know, <laughs> that's that's so I was then, then I kind of looked into them. And so anyway, been a big fan of them for years. And then um, U of L for a long time when the when the football team would come out, Enter Sandman is the song that they come out to, and that's just gets everybody stupid lit. They still do that sometimes now, but needless to say, um, you know, I heard that they were doing a North American tour. I was like, oh, cool. I'll get to go see them. And then the dates were released and it said Louisville. I mean, it was, I mean, it was as excited as I had been. And, you know, as long as I could remember, um, you know, Metallica. Those, those tickets yeah. went on sale over a year before the show. I bought my tickets probably, I bought them in February of 2018. And the concert yep. was in March of 2019. Wow. And so added a whole other element to it because I had the Kanye, the Kanye betrayal in the back of my mind. And so I'm like, there's no way this concert's gonna happen. I was like, one of the, one of them was it's gonna too, die. It's too far one off. Gonna, it's Imagine Drew being a pessimist. Imagine that. <laughs> Never heard uh, that you, know, I, you know, I dove into pessimism for the first time when I was waiting for <laughs> for I was waiting for Metallica. But Cairo right. um, is gonna hit James in the arm like it did in the early '90s and burn his hand or something. Right. And so, like, they put all the every show they go to, 
they put all these videos on YouTube. And so every city I'm watching, and the thing is, by the time I'd actually seen the concert, I had seen the concert 15 times on YouTube. Uh, but, you know, every show I'm just waiting. It's like, as it got closer, I'm getting more and more anxious and finally got there. And, you know, I was like, wow, it's Metallica day. Like I had to work that day, which was a super buzzkill. But, um, you know, we, we head downtown early uh, we go to O'Shea's right next to the Yum Center, which was a mistake. First of all, don't don't <laughs> don't go to O'Shea's before any event at the Yum Center. It's a bad idea. Um, anyway, so we get in there. Um, again, we had really good seats. So we were um, anybody that's familiar with the Yum Center. When you go in the front entrance and you go up to the main concourse level, there's that one end zone section that's right there that you basically walk into. Our seats were in that section in the lower bowl, and we were, I think, in row M, so we weren't up very high. And so the stage for this particular uh, tour was right in the middle of the floor. So um, it's kind of a diamond shape. Um, and so when we got to our seats, I was I was honestly kind of shocked at how close it felt. Um, so we get there, and there were there were no openers. They had a guy that was like a comedian that had that went on tour with them, and he was funny and. Um, you know, he, he pulled a kid out. He was like looking for the youngest person in the concert and he pulled like this nine year old out of the pit and put him up on stage and like, let him sit at Lars's drum set. And I'm like, this kid has no idea. He just, he has not earned this. He does not appreciate it. Get this kid out of here. (laughs) And, um, so they do that and then they go back. The competing guy walks back to the tuning room. And again, I had been watching videos of how this tour has been happening for the past year. So I know like looking at my watch, what's going on, like the timeline for when they're coming out and like people around me, they have no idea. They're like, well, when are they coming out? And I'm like, in 14 and a half minutes, they'll be out here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, um, they do, um, I forget what that song is that they always open with. Ben knows what I'm talking about. Oh, Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah. So the Ennio Morricone. Yeah. 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 So they play. um, They play that. The ugly. Yes. That's it. Yes. So they play clips. uh, Clip from the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and they play that, and that's like kind of their their intro music. And so when that comes on, I get like legitimate chills. I'm just like, oh my god, like it's really it's really happening. (laughs) And then so that goes that goes off. All the lights go off, and then. their intro track from their latest album, um, Hardwired, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, is the song that they start with. And so that song starts coming through the speakers. And when you listen to the song, like there's an intro and then there's a part where um, Lars comes in with the drums. Right. And so they play the intro through the speakers. And then so we were we probably weren't even. 20 yards from where they actually came out of the back and onto the stage. And so that song comes on. I know where they're coming out. I see them start running out and run up on stage. And then um, they get up there. And they, it's crazy because they run on stage like four seconds before they start playing. Like, so they run up there. The part where Lars starts playing happens. And they just start going ham, just like instantly <laughs> blowing your face off. And like, it was, it was, it was surreal, honestly. They played for like two hours and 40 minutes. Oh my um, God. 
I forgot how many songs that I think it was like I want to say like 18 songs, and you know how long their songs are. Like their songs, some of them are five, six, seven minutes long. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was incredible. It was it was everything that I had hoped it would be and more. And it just makes me want to see him again. I hope that I have a chance to see him again. Um, you know, I've watched the videos that they've posted from the Louisville show. Um, when you go, you, uh, you can use your ticket and download the audio of the whole show that you saw. So I've got that downloaded on my phone. No, is it? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. And That's so amazing. You know, it's cool because like in one of the songs, he, I mean, he says Louisville I know, a half a dozen times throughout the show or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I FaceTimed Ben during one of his favorite songs. Um, and, you know, I had to try to share the experience with somebody else that I knew appreciated <laughs> like I did. So it was um, that was that concert. I was like, that's what music is supposed to be for people. Like that's, you know, everybody has their own reasoning for why they listen to music. But that for me was like, that's the way it's supposed to make you feel like I was smiling the whole time. And like, <laughs> When I got those chills at the beginning, I was like, this is this is legit. Like, this is, uh, you know, I'd never really experienced that in any show before. So um, that, that it was the obvious choice for, for number one for me. OK, so just to recap, uh, three was Waka Flocka, two was Lil Wayne and one was Metallica. That's a pretty, pretty good list, mostly because I know them all. So <laughs> I can. <laughs> and speaking of knowing the musicians. All right, Ben, I'm over two on. Uh, White Reaper, and uh, your number two was uh, what was it again? I'm sorry. Tame Impala. Come on. Tame Impala. Yeah, that was in Nashville. Though. Yeah. I knew yeah. White Reaper. I did not know the second one. Okay. What? Okay. All right, Benno, what's number one? Well, uh, yeah, you let Drew do some honorable mentions. I'm just going to throw a couple out there really quick. Uh, I saw Huey Lewis play uh, outside. Of, it was like uh, at the Sugar Bowl in 2013. Uh, I saw. Oh, yeah, play. I remember that, dude. I was there. I was there, too. <laughs> yeah, Zach was there. Uh, I saw him play <laughs> uh, Power of Love, which is the Back to the Future songs. That was like a personal highlight for me. Um, yeah, like Zach said, we uh, saw Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy Q. I had them switched. I don't know. That's disrespectful to Kendrick. I thought uh, that he was opening for Schoolboy Q. Um, I, I saw this awesome heart cover band at Mercury Ballroom um, led by uh, Carly Johnson, uh, who is an awesome She's uh, real. artist. Um, she's actually playing in Forecastle this year. Um, and then uh, I think Tears for Fears at the Palace I saw uh, with Graham. That was a that was a big one for me. And then, like I said earlier, I don't you guys definitely don't know who Gary Newman is, but uh, <laughs> that was an awesome show as well. Uh, I'll just jump back into my uh, number one. And this one was on October 19, uh, 2010. Uh, and uh, it was in Cincinnati, a cool place called Bogart's. Um, it's kind of like uh, a little bit like headliners, just kind of a divier, more intimate setting. Um, but like, like I said, I, I, I used to go to all these Christian concerts as a kid. And like, that's, that was my experience with live music. And this was one of the, the first shows that I went to as like a full grown adult, um, you know, experiencing music in a live setting. Uh, about an artist that meant a lot to me, uh, not only at the time, but it really kind of developed my musical taste. Um, and that was Kid Cudi. Um, he, uh, he had this guy, I think his name was Chip the Ripper, opening for him, and he, he did a good job. I, I never really looked him up afterwards, but, you know, everybody's, like, 
smoking the weed that they snuck in there. And uh, like it, it, it just creates an atmosphere of anticipation, like you boy was talking about. Um, I, I traveled to this concert. I, I took a girlfriend that I was dating at the time that lived in Lexington. So I did the triangle of and I, I feel like tri I mentioned that because I feel like going to the concert, like driving there, it, it like puts you in a state of mind like this is going to be so great. You know, like we have time to like anticipate and talk about like what songs they think they're going to open with what they're going to finish with um but so I, I traveled from louisville to lexington or i'm sorry louisville to cincinnati where the concert was dropped her off in lexington and then came back to louisville so i did that triangle and it was just i was riding this high the entire time uh and i i really like to think that i i've been like chasing that high from a musical concert experience because we got there incredibly early, waited in line, got on the front row, stood on the rail. Um, and, you, you know, I, it was just an unbelievable experience. Uh, at the end of the show, he uh, he tossed off his, his sweaty towel that smelled like weed. And some girl like punched <laughs> me in the face twice, like with her hand on the towel, trying to get it away from me. I'm like, I'm not letting this thing go. Uh, so eventually she let go and that was like my little souvenir, but that just added to the mystique of the experience. Um, you know, man on the moon, one of my favorite all time albums, it still holds up. It's like, you know, it's moody, but it's raw and it's really well produced. And, um, his whole, you know, rap singing thing kind of, I feel like influenced the genre, uh, for years to come and still today in a lot of ways. But seeing him play uh, day and night was like seeing Moses play the Ten Commandments. Um, just a really, really awesome experience. No new stuff from Moses. No new stuff from Moses. Yeah, only Ten Commandments. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's all I say. Uh, Kid Cudi was my number one. I, I was a young man when I saw him, and now in very many ways I feel like an old man. But that, that concert just stands alone for me. Yeah, I've heard Bogarts is a pretty cool venue. And yes, I do know who Kid Cudi is, so you get it. Uh, <laughs> you get it. Uh, He's redeemed his, himself. His man, uh, Chip the Ripper, I remember on that uh, Man on the Moon album, they had a song yep. called Higher, and I yep. thought Chip had a really good verse on that. Uh, uh -huh. Bogarts, I almost went once to see Future there, and then I decided, then eh, no, nah, it's probably not a good idea. Um, <laughs> just, you know, it's a different kind of crowd. Um, but yeah, so you're just to recap again. White Reaper, Tame Impala, and then my man, or not really, I'm not really that big of a fan, but Kid Cudi, <laughs> which I'm sure really, like you said, and you got a trophy, you got the sweaty towel that yep. smelled like weed. And I know there are a lot of weed references on this podcast, and by no means do we condone weed unless it's legal in your state. So if you're in <laughs> Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, wherever, fine, That's, but it's, in Kentucky, it's the... no. It's part of the live music experience, though. Yeah. You know, you can't really omit it. It's yeah, it's yeah. There. That's wild. Anytime I I smell like a cigarette, I smell a cigarette. It makes me think of a concert. <laughs> like for some reason, it makes me think of like a like a music festival. I immediately think of Bonnaroo or a Forecastle or an outdoor concert. I mean, that's, I, like, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Like if I went to Forecastle and I was walking around, I was like, man, it's really fresh air out here. It doesn't smell like <laughs> weed at all. <laughs> I'll, something would be wrong, you know. Yeah, like where am I right now? Yeah, you might be at one of Ben's Christian rock festivals. Let's but. go! <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got Drew's top three. We got Zach's top three. Or no, we don't have Zach's top three. We're about Almost. to get Zach's top three. So Zach, what's your number one? 
So I think this one will be the one that's, you know, the non-shocker of oh, the night from everybody. Here we go. The suspense. Um, yeah. But, you know, quick shout out to Bogarts, though. I, I saw St. Vincent there a few years ago. It was one of the, it was, this isn't my number one, but it was such a great show. And I felt like it was such a small, intimate venue that she was singing to everyone. Like everyone walked away being like, I made eye contact with Annie Clark and she sang right to me. And it felt very personal. And I love that about Bogarts. Um, but yeah, like I really, to piggyback on what you guys said, I love that your number ones were like very special to you, like very special in terms of who the artist was and um, how much you enjoyed the experience of it. And for me, it's like, it's obviously Dave Matthews band, um, which if anybody oh, knows me and knows the history of, cover. of, uh, of Mr. Nasty, they know that, you know, Dave Matthews is, is in the lexicon for me. Um, but so it was actually, I wouldn't even necessarily say that it was the best Dave Matthews band show I've ever been to, but how many have you been to? Okay. I've been to 27 and counting. Wow. <sighs> 27 Dave Matthews Band shows. And, and counting, so you would go again. I'm going again in a couple weeks in Cincinnati. Oh my, my man. So the thing about Dave, though, <laughs> every show is a different set list. So it's not like, even if you see him a handful of times in a year, which I have done, each show <laughs> each show is different. <laughs> and my best uh, Ron Burgundy voice, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, fair enough. I, yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> But uh, so it was the first. So I've seen him that many times from honestly, actually, I saw 25 shows from 2003 to 2010. Wow. So you count that. Yeah. Like a seven, eight years there where I saw him 25 times and then I've only added two since then just because I got burnt out because I yeah. went so many times as one probably would. Um, but I was obsessed. But that that's why the first show I ever went to was June 23rd, 2003. Um, I was a sophomore. I was about to enter my sophomore year in high school. And I remember the type of I was a I was a fan of Dave, but the type of music I was mostly listening to was like grunge. And like I was really into Black Sabbath and Rage Against the Machine. Still love them. I listened to a lot of Beastie Boys around the time, too. Um a lot of Metallica, love Metallica still. Uh, but it was a lot of like, you know, Alice in Chains. They don't really have any Alice in Chains and Nirvana. It was a lot of like grunge, a lot of dark kind of stuff. And Dave was like the one bright spot at everything I listened to. And for some reason, so going to that show just really opened the doors for me. And like, I decided then that like, I really want to keep playing music for as long as I can. And um and it was yeah it was like a two and a half hour three hour long show out in the lawn at riverbend um actually i think we may have had pavilion seats then which were a little bit more expensive um but i just i, I remember thinking how incredible it was just it was like a family kind of experience like you felt like everybody there had either seen them once before or this was maybe their 20th show. Like I did see some shirts and some signs from people that said that this was like their 30 or 40th show that they had seen. So it just felt like you were stepping into this new world. Like 
there's this other realm that exists and it's like Dave Matthews land and everybody has fire dancer t-shirts and, you know, smells like weed and wear sandals and all that. Um, but it like that show in particular really like put me out of my comfort zone. And after that, it like, I started wearing like different colored t-shirts besides black. <laughs> and I would actually start wearing like more like shorts and like it, like it influenced my life in a lot of ways outside of just music. Um, but yeah, that's why it deserves the number one spot for me because it kicked off the obsession and the obsession was very real where I've traveled to Atlanta, to Piedmont Park to see them play amongst 60,000 people, um, which I have a DVD of that show. And I think I can spot my friend Ben's um, uh, Yankees hat in the crowd from there because we were that close and we sat out in the sun like all daggone day to see that show. Almond Brothers actually opened for him too. Wow. Yeah, um, it was like, yeah, it was obviously before Greg Allman passed, but um, I've been up to Chicago to see him. I've been to um, Nashville to see him, um, waited all day before uh, when they played at Slugger Field, got there at like 7 a.m. and camped out all day to get a spot. And we were like within the first dozen people in the entire Slugger Field. Um and so that was a great show. But it was, yeah, it was more about the fact that this show really kicked off the obsession and led to where I am now, where I've seen 27 Dave shows and counting. And I would say they're not my, currently I wouldn't say they're my favorite band, but they'll always hold a place in mm. my heart because of how they opened the door for me musically and, and you know, started the obsession. And the guys were all just such talented musicians that, like, Anytime anybody wanted to say that Dave Matthews sucked, I was willing to die on that hill and take everyone out with me because <laughs> I was I was ready to fight that fight. Um, so, yeah. And, and then, you know, Carter Beaufort, their drummer, has always been a hero of mine. Um, so it was it was outstanding to be able to see him play live and do some of his double bass drum fills that he does. And um, just to hear everybody else appreciate Carter in the same way that I always have. So. So yeah, that's my number one, Dave Matthews man. I gotta be honest, I want to go see Dave Matthews now. The, the you've seen him twenty seven times. I'm I want to go see him now, <laughs> dude. It's an experience. Like even if you only know like a handful of songs, I I imagine you'll walk away being like, I didn't know that one, but that was amazing. So they played. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna jump in. You're talking about how Bonnaroo is like about six hundred bucks. Just talking about the cost of going to a live show is. Do you think Dave Matthews seeing him live is like any cheaper than any other act? Or like, do they make it so accessible for people to see them like dozens of times like that? Or is it just about like, you know, 60, 70 bucks every time? No, you're right. It is like, it's about like 40, 50 bucks. Okay. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah, the lawn seat itself is 40. And then, you know, Ticketmaster has to throw in their middle finger fees right. and get you and make it go up to like over 50. Right. But, but yeah, it's like, to get a lawn seat and at Riverbend, yeah, it's like fifty bucks to see to see them. It's not that bad. If yeah, if you end up trying to splurge and get in the pavilion and try to get maybe the pit or something more, like yeah, you're talking probably seventy or eighty bucks then. Um, but yeah, I I can't. I don't even know. I may have to put a number on it. I may have to put a number on it one of these days and quantify how much money I've spent right. on Dave shows. And then obviously for a while I was buying the tour poster every show, oh, so man. which I still have some of them here and I've got a few of them framed. I actually have the tour poster from that show in 2003 still, yeah. Um, and those are 
not cheap either. So I can't imagine how much money I've spent over the years. But um, yeah, I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't take it back. But yeah, I would definitely not recommend driving six hours to a show and then driving six hours back right after. Like that's your boy was talking about earlier. Yeah, that's exactly what we did when we saw Wayne in Chicago. Um, it sounded like a good idea initially. Mm-hmm. And then um, you get there, you know, however early, two and a half, three hours early. Um, you're excited. The, sh- the show happens. You exert all your energy. Then you sit in traffic for an hour and a half just to get <laughs> away from the venue. And then you have a five-hour drive home. Um, and just to put the icing on the cake for that trip, when we got back, apparently there had been some hellacious thunderstorm in Louisville, and we didn't have we didn't have power in our apartment for like twelve hours afterwards. So, um, but yeah, uh, I agree. Just splurge and get the hotel room. Yeah, I, I remember after we so we saw Dave in Atlanta, and we were there all day in, in the heat. And actually, my friend Steve had to leave where we were. He had to go and find like a medical tent because he kind of got like dehydrated. Um, and I was pretty worried about him, but I was like not worried enough to like leave where i was at the show <laughs> yeah which is which is awful and i had a similar experience with another friend at a, another day show where he got sick but anyways um yeah we drove back because our friend ben was like committed he's like no nah, man i gotta go to church tomorrow and we're like all right well i mean you're gonna drive and i'm sure we can find somewhere you know there's a church here I promise there's a church here somewhere near Piedmont Park where we can, you know, do a quick prayer. Um, but, yeah, somebody should have been praying for us that night because I definitely passed out probably two hours into our journey home. And I don't really know how we made it back. <laughs> Zach, I feel like you've had a few late, late night drives since I've known you for one reason or the other. Yeah, not not good. Not good idea. I know a, a <laughs> wedding I came back from in Cincinnati yeah. and you might be referring to that one. That's um, one, yeah. That was a that was a very bad idea, <laughs> <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> late late night drives are never good, even if you're creeping. It's not worth it. <laughs> you can schedule whatever fun you're having for another time. Just go to sleep at a hotel or crash at a friend's place. Oh God. But, but yeah, Dave Matt. I um I feel like anyone I know that's also been to Dave Matthews, they've been at least five times or more. I've I've known I couldn't name one of his songs off the top of my head. I'm sure I've heard him, but it, he's been popular forever. Just and like I said, anyone I've know anyone I know that's been has been multiple times. Maybe not as many as Zach, but I mean, there's people out there like you mentioned that have been 40, 50 times. So oh, yeah. he definitely has like a cult following, which which is pretty cool. And even if the price does add up, you can't really replace the good time you're having. Or um, even if Steve, right. even if Steve almost died, so I'm glad he's still here. I need someone to watch wrestling with me. Yeah, Zach, his, Zach's his, yeah his, de- his death would have been worth it. But you're right. We're glad. Let's all here. let's all go to a DMB pod, uh, show. Let's yeah. all, as a podcast. It's, we can do a lot of live podcast. Okay. July July second, he's playing Riverbend, Cincinnati. Isn't oh, it? Nice. Uh, I was but Spider- yeah, Spider Man comes out that day, so I can't go. Sorry. <laughs> Committed. So that, that's everyone's list. Um, so before we wrap up this part, uh, I have one question. Uh, now, I don't go to a lot of band bands. Like the only, like I guess, real band I've ever been to for a concert would be Paramore. My question is, is it a thing? You're not supposed to wear the band shirt to the band's, band's concert. Is that a thing or is that not a thing? I've heard uh, that from uh, both sides. I don't know if it's a thing or not, but 
if there were 23,000 people at the Metallica concert, 21,000 of them had a Metallica shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Metallica has some pretty lit merch. Those shirts are amazing. So, like, yeah, everybody's going to wear, like, their Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning shirt. Like, they're going to wear the shirt that might reflect their favorite album. The attire was everything stereotypical stereotypical you could think about a heavy metal metallica show it was all black attire metallica t-shirts uh chain wallets um you know barbed wire tattoos <laughs> all that stuff but um i mean i wore we both wore um metallica t-shirts because we figured that's what we were supposed to do so yeah it's funny i used to always do it and i usually shy away from it now but i'm never if i see somebody wearing it i'm never like you know look at that nerd I never ever say it. I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, I it like kind of doesn't dawn on me. But yeah, it is interesting that there's like part of that culture that says like it's lame to do that. I think that's like an outdated like elitist take yeah. on stuff. It's like, come on, man, let me live, let me be happy. I I can wear whatever yeah. the hell I want to. I like the band. I like this t-shirt. So I say it's okay. I wonder. But, I wonder. I wonder if it's like a lot of people. It's like in my. You know, my situation, it was the first time I'd ever seen that band. It's like an excitement thing. Like, you know, I, I bought the T-shirt six months before the concert and it just I had it neatly put away waiting for that day. And I was like, I'm going to wear I'm going to wear that shirt that when I see them. And, you know, um, I kind of got that vibe from some of the people we were around um, that, you know, they had similar stories. They'd always wanted to see them. And, you know, we had people there was nobody that was in our immediate area that was from Louisville, which is kind of crazy. Um, like there was a couple to the left of us that was from Wisconsin. There's a, wow. like a whole family in front of us that was from somewhere in Tennessee. And I'm talking like the whole family. It was like six of them. Um, and they all had on Metallica shirts. So. And Slint. All right. So that's everybody's list. And I think we're going to take a brief break here. I need some water and I haven't even talked any. <laughs> So we'll be right back. Thank you. 